Welcome to Dragon Talk, everyone! Yahoo! Dragon Talk! Woo! This is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast, and I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined by Shelley Mazzanoble. Hi, Shelley! Hi! Hi. How are you? Great. So excited to be here. How are you? Me too. I'm excited to talk to two very wonderful individuals who are making a very cool comic book called The Last Session. Jasmine Walls and Dozer are here to talk to all about that. And it is, in talking to them, I found uh, so many parallels to our own lives in how folks play Dungeons and Dragons and think about how they grow up. So you'll hear all about that in our interview segment. Cool. Can't wait. Super, super exciting. Also exciting is the fact that Fizzbant's Treasury of Dragons is out in the wild, and if any indication of uh, the internet, everyone seems to really love it. Yeah, there. I was. I'm just gonna say, I was flipping through my copy uh, earlier today. Yeah, I really, honestly was because uh, again, there's a lot of tables in there. You love a table, and I do love tables. And I was trying to make some kind of a reference to something that would like an obscure thing that would be in a dragon's horde. And I was like, I know where I can get that information. And it'll be fun for me to get as well because I'm just going to go ahead and roll on a table. And I did. And it was amazing. That's so So. great. Yeah, no, it is, uh, at one point it was number four on the uh, Amazon bestseller list for all books. Come on. Those figures always blow my mind. We've had a few uh, recent releases get on that list and it is means that there are so many of you out there who are hungry for more content around dragons. And then anecdotally, after that, I've seen people online doing the same thing that you just said, Shelley, of flipping through the book and being inspired to tell so many wonderful stories using dragons and the dungeons in that book, uh, as well as the campaign ideas. It just seems like everybody is you know, uh, reaping all the benefits of all the story seeds that uh, James Wyatt and the rest of the team planted in that book? Um, God, that's, yes, it's so cool. And I'm looking at it on, online right now and it's like for 20 on all books on Amazon. All books though. Yeah. Like all books. I'm looking at like, there's a Stephen King book on here. Like Fizzbands is up there. With Stephen King, also a ton of uh, romance books, it looks like. So, mm-hmm. uh, interesting. If But if people are liking Dungeons and & Dragons and romance, I think maybe they might enjoy A Curriculum of Chaos, our Strixhaven uh, book coming out in December. Yeah. Now, you don't actually romance optional. It has mechanics on relationships and how they can affect your game play. And that's a really great system that you can use and import to any uh, D&D campaign you've got out there. And I think Strixhaven is really full of that. Of course, the setting is the Magic the Gathering setting of a magical university uh, and has all kinds of rules of activities that are going around there, as well as a four-part adventure story that you can play as you're uh, going through your four years of teaching at Strixhaven. Great stuff there. Um, but again, what I love about it is these these modules or, or systems that you can use if you ever wanted to say like, oh, what is a relationship and how does that uh, mechanically work or how do I do a, a job uh, yeah. while I'm on campus or, or in a town or anything like that and how can I model that for my players? Uh, and so there's just tons of great stuff in there that I think all Dungeon Masters can jump into similar to Fizz Bands. 
and all and all players. I mean, just think. Have you ever wondered what it was like to be a student at a magical university? I know I have. I'm, I'm imagining um, it right now. I also know that a lot of my friends who maybe think they're not actually fantasy fans, but are fans of students at a magical university. Um, this is could be a good entry point because it is like a a, a story, a trope that people can understand. And it would just be fun to, to be a student. I just want to go back to school and just see what happens. Relive some of those years and maybe not spend as much time on um, residence hall probation as I did in real life. Or maybe you will. Maybe you'll be even more of a, a badass uh, in your strict saving life. The thing is, is that I really do believe that those early real life years were just preparing me for my life as a sorcerer because sometimes it did involve fire. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I really do believe that I was innocent of all of those crimes, but you went the other way and you're like, nope, I no, didn't. I was not innocent <laughs> at all. And I was not even very um, roguelike. That's so funny. I failed all stealth checks, every one of them. The summer that I lived in Ithaca, uh, I also let off fireworks from the balcony of the student housing. What? Uh, luckily, there was no you know security really around uh, to yell at us. But I do remember being like, hmm, what? this is probably not safe what we're doing. Let's light the next one. At Ithaca College? Yeah. Is that where you stayed? Uh, like, I think I was... I... There were... Um, uh, housing. I don't know if they were run by the university, but I think they were to the north of the campus, uh, kind of up the hill a little bit more. Oh yeah, the, I think those were um, those, those were run by by yeah. the campus. But it's funny because my um, fire incident also ha- happened off a balcony of student housing. So we, many of really the ways that we have been linked, our souls have been linked our, uh, forever. For that, for <laughs> There's, there's that ley line through Ithaca that runs through West Seattle now as well, too. I know. So weird. It's amazing. Uh, so, yeah, Strixhaven is, is coming soon. December 7th, you'll be able to get that and check out all of the fun stuff that we're talking about. Hopefully, your players will not create fires off the balcony, but, you know, maybe they do. In, in game? That's yeah. fine. Yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah, Definitely. We have an awesome survey out there for our listeners. We're trying to improve Dragon Talk as much as possible and get your feedback on what works, what doesn't, some ideas for future segments, anything that you could possibly let us know. It's all in that survey. It only takes about 15 minutes to take it all. It's a huge help for us. Uh, So if you do take a moment to uh, take that survey, we'll give you a big high five and uh, lots of love and maybe even a shout out here on this here podcast. Uh, for all of your awesome stuff. And I say maybe because yeah, I don't want to do that, put people on the spot, but you know, if it's good enough, we might talk about it. Who knows? I took the survey. What did you say on it? Nice things. Oh, that's nice. I didn't take the survey. <laughs> You're trying to skew the data? I, I, don't, I don't want to skew the data. I do want to because I'm actually scared to look at the data. I'm scared <laughs> of feedback. Feedback is scary. It can be. It can be. But it also is how we grow. Uh, and so that's what we're always trying to do here uh, for the Dragon Talk podcast is to lift people up and yep. to grow. So it hopefully is a you can show help us do for that. For the community. Uh, right. Exactly. Um, Might as well make the show they want. Uh, I will not stop doing my voice impressions though. 
You're the one that I want. <laughs> uh, My pigeon. <laughs> to the old school one. Bringing it back to circa 2016 with your pigeons. <laughs> so fun. And, you know, of course, if you want to spread the word about uh, Dragon Talk and how we do things, the best way to do that is to leave a review on uh, the platforms at which you listen to. If it's on Apple or Google or Spotify or however you do that, rate and review this podcast and get it into the you know propagated lists for other users out there who might want to find out about what's going on in the D&D community. Yes, do it. Share the love. Share and enjoy. Cool stuff. Uh, and so uh, I also, you were mentioning romance. Uh, I want to see if anybody wants to start romancing the dragon. I feel like what? that's the next step. All those romance novels that are not talking about Dragons, they're they're missing out. Maybe we are missing out too. I mean, there's definitely a, a niche here for sure. There's yeah. an an audience definitely. Um, maybe we could do like a series of romance novels, but they're about you know, like the different classes. I mean, obviously, rogues are going to be heavily featured, mm-hmm. um, but also like romancing the paladin. Ooh. Yeah. I can picture the fighter maybe with like their chainmail kind of blowing in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a really strong wind for the chainmail so- to blow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe that he had a, a, a lot of beans that day. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Not that kind of wind. Depends on you which know, area it's flowing like from. Like a Fabio fighter type. I'm seeing it, but yeah, he, I think we're onto something here. So maybe that can be our next book that we work on together. I'm down. I am down. <laughs> Super fun. And those are all the campaigns that you can come up with combining Strixhaven and, and Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons. I think you could do it. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. There's creative folks out there who can make it happen. And speaking of which, we have an amazing segment of lore you should know coming up for you with some very creative people. Welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. I am Greg Tito, and I am joined today by James Wyatt. Hi, James. Hey, Greg. Uh, Very excited to talk to you on this Lore You Should Know, where we delve into a specific part of uh, the lore behind Dungeons & Dragons for use in your game, or just because it's really fun to know all of this stuff. Uh, And today, uh, in celebration of Fizzban's Treasury of Dragons coming out soon, we thought we'd talk about Fizzban himself. Who? You know, oh, the guy. Oh. <laughs> he's got a beard and some birds. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> so yeah, many of uh, D&D fans out there might have met him uh, while reading the Dragonlance Chronicles. Uh, that is uh, where many of people's you know first foray into storytelling uh, around the Dungeons & Dragons game as well as the adventures that were uh, published um, uh, around that time. So, who is Fizban? Uh, as I as I made that long meandering intro. So, Fizban the Fabulous appears in in the Dragonlance Chronicles novels and uh, and adventures as as this sort of um, doddering, absent minded wizard figure mm-hmm. um, who kind of the the heroes of the lands encounter him actually as they're imprisoned in the back of. Um, 
the dragon army's wagons and uh, he gets picked up in the wagons as well and then sort of accidentally uh, helps facilitate their escape and um, travels with them for a while and, and gets them in and out of various uh, hijinks. So um, he, he comes across as this doddering, foolish old man who can't cast a spell right to save his life, mm-hmm. who talks to inanimate objects. Um, and uh, he apparently dies. Uh, spoiler alert, sorry. Um, <laughs> 40-year-old novel, I think you're okay. <laughs> exactly. um, he apparently dies when he fails to cast a Featherfall spell to save himself, uh, but does manage to save Tasselhoff Burfoot from the fall by creating a pile of feathers for Tasselhoff to land on. <laughs> so anyway, it turns out that he's not actually a, a bumbling old human. He's actually the god Paladin in disguise. Um, and Paladin is the world of Dragonlance's name for the god Bahamut, the good god of metallic dragons. Um, so he's not an incompetent wizard. He's actually a super powerful divine being who's trying to help the humanoids of the world uh, as they are besieged by the evil dragons of Tachesis, a.k.a. Tiamat. So um, he's he is an incarnation of an idea that goes back to the original depictions of Bahamut in Dungeons and the Dragons. Back in the first edition Monster Manual, it talked about how Bahamut travels the material plane, sometimes disguised as an old man, who is often accompanied by seven canaries which are actually ancient gold dragons, his his court, his attendants, if you will, um, traveling in disguise with him. So um, we we kind of took that notion and embraced it and ran with it in Fizban's Treasury of Dragons. Fizban shows up not just as the narrator throughout the book uh, with, you know, little uh, amusing quotes in his voice written, written by Amy Vorpal, who was awesome and funny sure. um, and, and nailed his voice. Um, but all, he also shows up in art um, in a couple places. Let's see, in at least one place, it's a direct representation of Fizban in the Dragonlance story. We see him with Tasselhoff and the Gully Dwarf, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head, um, escaping from a big red dragon, starting to climb down a chain. This is actually right before Fizban dies. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the, the dragon is breathing on the chain, superheating the chain, melting the chain, they, they fall. So we see Fizban and Tasselhoff there. Um, but then we also see uh, Fizban in that same guise in a couple of other situations, including one where he's talking to a statue. So again, that idea of arguing with inanimate objects is a thing that he does. But then we also see Bahamut in in some other guises as well. There's one where he's a an old woman teaching uh, teaching magic to a young student, um, and we see him uh, as he appeared in the magic card set last mm. summer, Adventures Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, um, as a young monk, but again with the canaries around him. So that's Fizban in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, and what I like about his representation in the Chronicles, uh, and I'm, I'm seeing this with, with hindsight now, I don't think I might have known it back then, but in some ways he was DM's fiat uh, personified, <laughs> right? It was a way to get the characters out of trouble but in a way that didn't feel like I, I was railroading uh, the, the, well, in this case, the novel characters, but, you know, your, your party through, through the, their adventures. Is that yeah, how you kind of see him too? 
Absolutely. And actually, there's there's kind of a, a theological statement there, right? That mm. the, the, the good God um, wants to help people, um, but doesn't want to railroad them, won't take away their free will, um, and, and wants to help them help themselves. That's maybe not the best theological statement, but... Um, but it's an often repeated one anyway. God helps those that help themselves. Uh, <laughs> in, uh, in needlepoint and magnets <laughs> around the yeah. world. Uh, but that's, I, I, I like that notion of uh, trying to figure out the, divi- the, the, the divinity of, of Fizban in here, right? Because it's, it's a weird re- representation, at least in that, those storylines, um, of what you, what you said is an you know, incredibly powerful divine being, but he's has to play act in order to get his way in the way that he wants it to 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 go and i think that's that's a dungeon master you know uh metaphor if i've ever seen one yeah actually as i think about it the beauty of that story is that god bahamut uh paladin fizban helps those who help others <laughs> um, oh yeah that, that he he allows himself to be rescued <laughs> By by the heroes of the lands, um, and uh, basically presents himself as someone in need of, of their help and giving them an opportunity to help him, um, yeah. which I like more as a theological statement. I do too. I do too. But it also reminds me of um, when I was running the essentials kit uh, adventure with my with my kids. Uh, very new to playing D anD. d didn't really uh, want me as dungeon master to give them advice, right? Like you don't want your dad telling you what to do when you're playing a game. You don't want your dad telling you what to do ever. Uh, but I could, I could very easily insert one of the uh, sidekick characters as my voice, as just being like, oh, why don't we do this? And playing as, as one of those characters. And that was a lot more palatable. Uh, to them, and I think even when I was was talking to other folks around uh, uh, in playing the Essentials Kit, like that was something that they really kind of took to heart as a way to to introduce new people into playing it. Um, and as, I'm, as we're talking about this now, I'm like, well, that's that's exactly what Fizzband is doing as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and Again, I wonder that's if- something I, w- I would like to dig into more. I suspect the annotated chronicles might tell us a little bit about how he came about, but I wouldn't be surprised to learn that's exactly what what the story is. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and it's it, I love also how this character you know has a lot of the tropes around uh, dragons changing shape uh, and not being what they what they uh, appear to be. Um, is that something that uh, you think is a, a you know a, a strong tenant of of dragons? Um, it's, it's a common theme for the metallic dragons in particular in Mm. D&D that, uh, that they can take on humanoid form. Um, and something that we talk a fair amount about, fair amount about in fizz bands as well. Um, whether it's because they just kind of like people and like being around them without, um, without having to, oh yes, yes, I'm a dragon. (laughs) deal with the adoring fans or the terror or, or any of that. Um, or it's because they're secretly scheming and manipulating behind the scenes and, and don't want their true identity known or what, you know, for whatever reason. Um, but I, I think there's, there's a theme there that you see also in the Lord of the Rings, right? Mm. Fizban is, is a pretty obvious analog to Gandalf, but, um, 
but they share a common idea there of a, a being that is much more powerful, taking on a, a humble appearance in order to move among ordinary people and um, and help them against evil. Um, yeah. Which, which plays out with metallic dragons on every scale as well. And I think it's a really fun w- way that, I mean, you know, this game is is very much like, hey, I just want to, you know, kill some monsters sometimes and have some fun. But like, it can really get at the the essence of human existence and and and, and theology very quickly. Uh, and it seems yeah. we, you and I always always go that way when we start talking about this stuff, um, because now I'm thinking about you know the whole Christ myth and things like that, and how oh you, I needed to walk among uh, people and and experience that before I could save them. And it's essentially also you know a similar story in, in Gandalf, but also similar. Uh, in Fizban as well. Yep. Um, and I love that we now have the tools from having Fizban's Treasury of Dragons to to kind of explore that a little bit because dragons are not, uh, you know, just the the flying, fire-breathing dragons that we've been seeing a lot in, in, in Dungeons & Dragons, but they're multiversal beings. Right. Um, and definitely creatures of myth. Um, I mean... I, I, I really, I, I keep thinking about this and whenever I talk about this book, that for me, dragons um, are not just, you know, they're not just, hey, look, it's in the name of the game. Mm. It's not even printed there. Huh. Um, <laughs> here it is, dragons. Dragons, we got it. Um, but but they're, they're such an essential part to me of what fantasy is because they're so sort of weighed down by mythic resonance right mm-hmm. i mean <laughs> so today is the, the the day we're recording is the feast of saint michael and all angels in uh, the episcopal church mm-hmm. and so i just read a text this morning about michael going to war with the dragon right yeah <laughs> it's there in in my sacred scriptures as well um but uh just a power such a powerful symbolic representation of greed and rapaciousness and um, violence and, and evil um, that is such a a grandly heroic thing to slay. (laughs) Um, So, Wow, that's that so cool. took me off on a wild tangent, but <laughs> no. But I think that's what dragons are to to a lot of people, uh, and they may not realize all this when they're. I mean, again, this is the beauty of storytelling, is right. You may not realize it when you're just dealing with the plots, but then when you start to really think about the themes behind all of this uh, that are coming to light, I mean, and this is something that I thought about when it was revealed in the chronicles that Fizband, who's not, was not who he said he was, uh, and I remember being a little bit like almost betrayed. Uh, mm-hmm. by that as a storytelling being because I'm like, oh, I, I believed him. And being tricked into doing good is not the same as doing good because you want to do good. Yeah, yeah. I think Tesselhoff had some of the same reaction. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> <laughs> You're a kender at heart. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that's very true. Um, but I love that now Dungeon Ma- like I said, Dungeon Masters now have all these tools from Fizban's Treasury of Dragons to be able to play with some of these themes uh, in their games. And I hope people really delve into it. Yeah, me too. So yeah, we, we started talking about dragons as multiversal creatures and I went off on a, a theological tangent again. But um, <laughs> uh, I'm really excited by the, the ideas that are in this book about um, dragons whose existence sort of spans the worlds of the material plane. Um, because their existence goes back to 
when the material plane was just one world in some imagined mythic past. Um, and so I'm I'm totally grooving. I'm playing with playing with ideas of um, dragons who are in contact with their echoes, um, the parallel lives of theirs on other worlds, um, or and that's characters traveling from world to world to deal with dragons who are all connected and in, in strange and twisted in awesome ways. And I love how Fizban is basically the embodiment of that, right? Like the, it, yeah. it, he is he is. All the all of the uh, comparisons that we brought up in this conversation so far, you could just say like, "Oh, that's all just one being. It's just different peoples and different worlds' interpretation of that being, including yeah. quote unquote God, you know, including yeah. all of these things. You know, maybe maybe he is a doddering old fool with canaries." Hmm. <laughs> 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 I well, that song. What if God was one of us? Just yeah. think one of us, right? <laughs> find his way home. Well, we'll cue that up because that is actually a perfect uh, <laughs> a song. Uh, I think that, uh, gosh, maybe it's a refer- a direct reference to Fizz Band. Who knows? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, well, thanks, James. I, I always love talking to you uh, about these things, and I love that you don't uh, shy away from 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 themes bigger than than what is possible within the <laughs> two hundred fifty six pages within a D and D book. So I, I appreciate that. Thanks. I'm glad, glad you appreciate it and are like, whoa, James, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, let's talk more uh, about Fizban. And I hope uh, yeah, it starts the conversation uh, everywhere else as people start to get this book uh, and get excited about it. So uh, if you want to be a part of that conversation, where, where can people uh, get in touch with you potentially? Best way to do that is on Twitter where I am Aquella James. That's A-Q-U-E-L-A James because that's the name of my D&D world that I created when I was in high school. <laughs> Nice. Uh, and uh, there's dragon turtles there, but also maybe, uh, you know, canary flying uh, and holding up a, a man by his very long beard. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, James. Thanks, Greg. I love speaking to James Wyatt uh, about all things, but especially things related to dragons and the god Fizban. Such a great character, and I'm so glad that it was the through line for this awesome book. And uh, I think we are able to shed a lot of light on this character in that segment, so hopefully you are able to incorporate a, a doddering old man who loves canaries into your game. Who wouldn't? I know, right? Who wouldn't want to do that? It's lovely, I say. And speaking of wonderful things that bring nothing but love into the world, let us talk to our guests for this interview uh, to learn all about their project called The Last Session. Everyone, let's welcome Jasmine Walls and Dozer 2 Dragon Talk! Yay! Yay! That studio audience is very excited to yes. talk to the two of you. They love comic books. Huge fans. Yeah. So uh, uh, Jasmine and Dozier, both of you are comic book writers, illustrators, and D&D players, uh, as it turns out. Uh, so <laughs> you are collaborating on a project called The Last Session. Do you want to, uh, which one of you wants to take the, uh, the elevator pitch to tell us what is The Last Session? I can do a little short dive in there. <laughs> Go for it. Um, yeah, the last session is about a group of 
players who met in high school and began playing in high school. And now we've kind of fast forwarded four years where they're just finishing up. Some of them are just finishing the first couple of years of college and they're about to kind of part ways. Um, maybe not as friends, but definitely. I'm so sorry. Gerard truck went by. That's all right. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're parting ways in that they're they're kind of moving to different areas and uh they might be moving on to different you know parts of their life and the dm decides let's finish up the very first game that we've been playing together and the group's super excited for this bit of ex- you know this bit of escapism but uh they've introduced a new player as well cassandra the dm's girlfriend has been very excited to join mm. um and it kind of maybe throws a, a bit of a wrench into things and it's it's all about how they deal with that and will they be able to complete their last session oh interesting that's very cool so jasmine you were the writer on this one i am the writer yeah and then dozer you're you're creating all of the the visuals for it right yeah exactly yeah exciting yeah uh, so yeah we've talked to a bunch of comic uh creators in the past and i'm always uh, fascinated by the idea, I don't think I did this until I started speaking to them, about how it's basically writing a script. It's writing it almost like a play or mm-hmm. a, a screenplay. Um, and that's really fascinating to me because I never really... I, I'm, I'm a dork. I love a lot of dorky things. <laughs> but for comics was always something that I never uh, participated in until, until my adulthood. And so uh, I really love that it has so many tendrils and similarities to sequential art like film and, and, and television. Absolutely. It's one of my favorite things about comics is uh, when you work with a team uh, collaborating and mm. when you have like a solid team, like the last session, it's kind of like a dream team to work with. <laughs> nice. Everyone from like editor, artist, letter, all of it was a really fantastic experience. Very so cool. that how does that team come together? Because is it like will the editor just like pick the people who are going to be part of the team, or have Dozer have you and, and Jasmine worked together in the past, or was this your first project together? Oh, this was the first time we worked together. Uh, our editor uh, contacted me um, and and pitched the project to me like a, a really small pitch, and and just asked if I was available. And I was uh, I, I was really excited when I when I read the first script and was like, okay, when can I start? Because uh, we almost worked together on on another comic, but that um, it it was canceled before it really started. So I was mm. super excited to to team up with with uh, our editor and with Jasmine on this. <laughs> What was it That's, about reading that script for the first time that that excited you? Was it was you're like, oh, I have I have illustration ideas already pouring out of me, or was it just like <laughs> a challenge? Like, what was it that was exciting for you? I think yeah, it it was a challenge because before I started working on the comic, I I never played a single D and D campaign, so wow. the comic really got me into playing the game. And uh, lots of my friends had uh, existing campaigns, and they always told me about how much fun it is about their characters, and I was like, okay here's my chance to to get really into it. And, and I did a lot of research when, when designing the characters and then when I drew the, the in-game scenes and all that stuff. So yeah, that, that was a fun challenge I wanted to, to uh, be part of. Nice. Jasmine, did you have to give Dozer a crass course in, in uh, playing too? Or was it, did you leave that to her own research? Oh, yeah. Her own no, research. I, <laughs> um, 
Dozer needed very little help. <laughs> Dream <laughs> they team were indeed. On top of it. <laughs> I was like, here's a script. Here's a bunch of references you might need. Go nuts. And every single thing they turned in, me and the editor were emailing each other, like, oh my God, look how good it looks. <laughs> uh-huh. That is awesome. It's like when you're talking about the team assembling, it kind of, I have ended up in D&D groups that have had like similar, like the dungeon master is like, oh, all of you have expressed interest in playing D&D. You're now an adventuring party. And sometimes it works and sometimes it's like, mm, not really my style. But I'm glad to hear that in this case, it was uh, a good good group of people. But um Jasmine, you this isn't your first go at uh, writing a comic that is inspired by Dungeons and Dragons. It is not. No. Um, actually, the reason the editor, Mike, came, reached out to me for this comic in particular is that a few years back, I when I was first getting into comics professionally, I was like, let me put out some short comics to have a portfolio. Um, and I worked with Amy Phillips, who's another amazing illustrator, and we put out a comic that if you play D&D, you might have seen uh, <laughs> on hmm. Facebook or Imager. Um, it's about a group of players playing together. It's very short, um, but, uh, you know, we have this kind of main player who's going up against this orc overlord and keeps rolling ones, and the ones end up instead of defeating New York, kind of seduces him. <laughs> so they still win. <laughs> yeah. Just not in the way they had expected to. And uh, apparently uh, Mike, our editor, had read it and loved it and had been kind of wanting to work with me, which is a really exciting concept. Yeah. And then when this came up, reached out to me and was like, I really want you to write this D&D comic. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, okay. So it was more of a, was it, did he ask for uh, pitches around D&D or, or was the, this pitch to you as like, here, this is the basic concept, you write it out? This was pitched to me as a basic concept. And oh, then cool. they gave me far too much freedom. <laughs> they were like, do you want? And I was like, here's a bunch of ideas. Can I do them? And they said, do all of them. And I was like, okay, oh, don't wow. give me that level of power, but I'm going to go with it. <laughs> that's great. Uh-huh. I love the the concept of a it, it reminds me of just all of those nostalgic uh, teen movies right <laughs> right like it's the end of an era it's it's mm-hmm. you know I think of Days to Confused in the 70s of like you know the last day of 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 high school and 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 all that type of yeah uh transition period uh under the lens of Dungeons and Dragons and a Dungeons and Dragons party I think that's uh really brilliant and I I can't wait for for people to to delve into that and and see the parallels in their own lives hopefully thank you I like to think of it as a kind of we whenever we think coming of age we often think like 16 or you mm-hmm. know YA type and I honestly think there's a second coming of age and it's when you go from being someone who's in college it kind of has a lot of structure around you um, or leaving high school and then kind of stepping in and be like, oh, we have to be like real adults. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's the real, real coming of age. <laughs> it's a big leveling yeah. up your process mm-hmm. there. That is 100% true. And I, I think so with this, with uh, the last session, so that you are, you, we get to see what happens in the game, but also in real life. Yes. Half the story takes place in game and half the story takes place. Uh, with the actual people playing the game. Which I would imagine represents a unique challenge for you, Dozer, to have to uh, 
illustrate these two different worlds and make them feel cohesive, but yet they're very different. Yeah, yeah, that was actually a very fun challenge to uh, find uh, pieces in the design of the characters that, that I can connect to each other, like uh, with colors or uh, with elements. Like we have uh, this one character, the, the new player that uh, comes to the, to the uh, group, Cassandra, um, and she has these earrings with uh, little triangles and, and uh, little circles. And I tried to um, make a connection to her in-game character, to the bard, and uh, I made the, the guitar string uh, have the same shapes, like little circles and then triangles. And yeah, I, I hope it's going to work well <laughs> and that people immediately uh, know which character belongs to which player. That's a really cool detail. Were they also mm -hmm. in Squid Game with the triangles and the... Squares in this circle. <laughs> oh, I mean, that was way before Squid Game was out. So. <laughs> we'll, play, we'll play PlayStation for that one. But no, that's a. Yeah. That's, I love that detail of trying to, uh, you know, visually represent that these two characters are the, are, are the same individual. Yeah, that's a really cool idea. Did you, how did the, the writing process work for that, Jasmine? Did you write one, uh, one part of the story first, the in-game or the out-of-game? And did you write them intentionally so that they would mirror each other? Uh, they mirror each other a little bit. Um, I definitely wrote them all kind of together. Uh, I wrote each issue as as they happen and then wrote the out-of-game and in-game story parallel. So you get a little glimpse of the kids when they were in high school at the very beginning of each comic. Oh. And then you get them in the four years where they're, you know, the present day so we get to see how they've changed from their when they began playing and how they became friends up until now and then uh and then the other half of the story is going to be in game and how they're dealing with whatever pressures are happening in real life and kind of coping either well or not well in game mm -hmm. that's such a great conceit uh, there's this I've mentioned it a couple times in the podcast, but there's this little bit of marketing, uh, like a trailer that was, I think, for uh, Loot Crate. When Loot Crate mm -hmm. did a, a Dungeons and Dragons or a fantasy box in like 2015, they created this like two and a half minute video that was a, a similar conceit to what to this story, honestly, where it was a group that played when they were kids, much younger age, you know, like like a middle aged, uh, middle school age, and then they're played together as adults. And then there's a new player at the table, and it's the daughter of one of the players. Oh. Um, and it's this great, just you know, uh, passing of the torch uh, for 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 young uh, D and D players to get into it. And I feel like this, uh, the last session, is 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 kind of speaking to this new generation of of D and D players. Absolutely, and that's the the kind of feel I wanted to get with it. Was there's a lot of D and D or D and D inspired comics and stories out there and a lot of them tend to be very very white um very male mm. um yeah. and ha happen to often lean into tropes that are not particularly welcoming to anyone who doesn't fall into those two categories so when i was writing the script for this i was very clear and the editor was also very clear that we wanted a story that was going to be something that reflected the kind of players that i see and that i play with on on a weekly basis uh very queer um, very inclusive, 
very size inclusive. We one of the one of the main factors for the last session is that we do have several fat characters, and none of them are the butt of the joke. <laughs> That's <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah. It's so easy. I mean, I love that you're you're uh, attempting to portray so many different folks because it's so easy to fall into the old tropes, right? Like you see that in so many different parts of media, even when it's generally a positive portrayal of Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons, it's still. Eh, did you really have to twist the knife and 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 fall back on something from 1982? Yeah. Uh, so I'm 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 very grateful and 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 excited to read this because of uh, it being I don't know a great gateway into more people hopefully wanting to jump into uh, reading about D and D and maybe even playing. So yeah, Dozer, you had to do that in in the microcosm, right? <laughs> it it By, worked like, on Dozer. So. Yeah. <laughs> How, what was your first session like uh, when you when you had to do research for this? Uh, I mean, uh, Jasmine already got me a lot of uh, pictures for inf- uh, for for inspiration, um, like how how she imagined the characters to look like, and just a whole palette of of references that I could choose from. And I, I did do my my own research um, based on on her references. And um, yeah, it was it was so much fun to just design the characters and um, to 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 not go uh, with the the um, the designs that we all know have known for for years and and do something new and and yeah, draw big characters, draw uh, characters from from no, several. You can't. What's, what's, I'm sorry, I'm not... <laughs> like different ethnicities and Yeah, cultures. that's the word I was looking for. I'm sorry, English is not my first language. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun because on most projects I worked before, yeah, they, they were very wide, very, um, like, slim characters, the ones you always see everywhere. And, yeah, I, I really enjoyed going the other way and being more inclusive with the designs. Yeah, I feel like that is just a strength of Dungeons and Dragons uh, right now is, is, is how many different people and different types of people are glomming onto this game because you get to be you know, yourself in a, I don't want to say idealized way, but just in a fantastical way. Uh, and it's super uh, freeing in that way. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I just want to hear about these characters. I want to know each one of them and, and, and learn their backstory. So... Yeah, do you want to give us some of, you know, some de- descriptions of, of one or two standouts from, from, from this crew? Uh, yeah, so we have our new character, Cassandra, who's, uh, it's hard to say if there's a main character, but I guess she would be the closest thing to a main character. Yeah, she's kind of fumbling her way through learning D&D as they play, and she's, um, she, she's very earnest and eager, and her character is a bard, a dragonkin bard. Um, and she's just very outgoing and tries her best and sometimes goofs it up for the entire crew. <laughs> um, and her kind of uh, opposite, I guess, would be Lana, would probably be like the other kind of mainish character who is the rogue of the party and was mm. kind of the, the leader of the group, knows everybody's roles, is confident in, in what they're doing, what they should be doing, and, and clashes a little bit with with Cassandra. Uh, but then you've also got Shen, who plays the, the party's druid and is always ready to fight. 
and she, so she's a Mormon <laughs> druid and she's also very outgoing and uh she's very close with walter who is the ranger of the party and in real life walter's very kind of introverted and shy and not very outgoing uh but in game gets to be this incredibly charismatic half orc who's kind of the one who charms everyone um and then we've got drew who is like an aspiring author and he's kind of trapped in this like coffee shop retail type gig in the real life and then in game gets to be this really cool like warrior cleric um and then of course you have jay the dm who's kind of like the rock of this group who is the one who does all the research for the games and is kind of keeping everyone (laughs) from going from straying too far from the story (laughs) are these characters inspired by your real life gaming group at all uh, I guess, yeah. Um, I've been playing since high school, and so a lot of the the mishaps that happen are things that I've, <laughs> you know, kind yeah. of probably went wrong in several games I've played before. And then, you know, it's it's a little bit of like, okay, what do I remember happening and the kinds of players I've played with and the kind of goofs up I've made. Um, so a lot of it is definitely very, like, personal or something similar to, like, a player in my campaigns have, have done. Yeah. That's kind of fun. There, I mean, I can imagine D playing D and D on the regular provides lots of fodder for these types of yeah. of stories. Uh, it's pretty like listening, hearing you you talk about how the the players and the characters. I mean, that's all. You're. It's kind of like you're you're doing double duty, but you're <laughs> writing two stories in one. And yeah. twice as many characters that you have to manage because <laughs> the character, the, the the real life person is different than the character. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's a lot. <laughs> that's, but it was also like a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it was a really, really fun challenge. And it was something that I just super enjoyed doing. So even when it got complicated, my editor was like, all right, Jess, we got to <laughs> fix some things here and there. It was just such a fun challenge and so nostalgic for me that it didn't even feel like it might, like, I was, I was there. I never heard a point where I was like, oh man, this is so much work. Mm. Um, it was just so much fun to work with and kind of figure out who their characters were on both sides. Yeah. I think if you're if you're good with role playing, like that that fluidity between if this is you know yep. me Jasmine talking versus mm-hmm. this is my character talking, like you you get some basic uh, you know familiarity with that, and, and if you yeah. can do that in the script form, um, uh, it's a the, the real challenge though is is for Dozer of trying to you know are there moments where there's the character uh, who is actually saying something to the player, and and do you play with that a lot of of you know, okay, we're in the fantasy world, but this is actually Cassandra talking to one of her uh, party mates. You know what I mean? Or do you or do you make a very clear flip between this is fantasy world, this is real world? There's a very solid line um, mm. between the two. I think there's only one or two spots where uh, you sort of break the fourth wall in that sense. Um, yeah, I did my best to make this script not horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope I did a good job. Spoken like a true writer. <laughs> that should be the blurb on the front of the right there. <laughs> I did my best to make this not horrible. Yes. Uh, that's super cool. Uh, so, is, so yeah, what are the, we, we got the, the text description of what these characters are like. Uh, Dozer, what do, what do they, what about the ranger? Like, what does the ranger look like? 
the ranger yeah it's um it's our half orc um character the one uh who's played by walter and um we tried to uh like with with the body type and all we tried to make the the real life characters and the in-game characters look very similar mm. and um yeah so walter is is uh quite big and so his his half half orc uh is also a, a really really big character but but he's still charming I was just thinking of the, are they wearing furs? You know, do they, are they a ranger that uses a bow more? Like just, you know, oh, all right, what, what, all right. what is their visual look and, and how did, how was that fun to bring that to life? Uh, you know, after, after seeing so many like fantasy portrayals in the past, you got to put your own spin on it with, uh, with how those look. Yeah, that was, uh, that was really fun to uh, also put elements of, of everyone's uh what was the word again? Ethnicity. Ethnicity. Okay. <laughs> yeah, to to uh, include those elements in the character design. Uh, yeah, the the um, the ranger is uh, wearing traditional uh, Asian clothes, and uh, yeah, he he's using a bow and um, uh, with. Uh, our, our rogue, for example, uh, Lana's character, she's um, she's got an, an Indian background, so we try to uh, include elements of that, like like uh, the her knives, uh, her daggers, and also the the colors of each character. Yeah, and that stays consistent from. The yeah. To the character. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, that's a good idea. You you mentioned that the the characters look similar to their players, and was that a that was a conscious choice? I mean, it's thinking because my first D and D character was like very tall and slender and had long blonde hair, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and she definitely. But that was a choice of like she. I don't want to play someone who's exactly like me because it's a <laughs> fantasy game. Um, but was was this a a conscious choice to have the the players look similar to their characters, or was um, it more to make it easier for the reader to tell who's who? Yeah, uh, partly to to make it easier for the reader, and I think with the with some of the first designs, we we uh, talked back and forth, um, like really making the characters look like their their real life uh players yeah uh where i went uh, exactly like like you did with your character design like a, a tall uh good looking uh character um and uh jasmine and 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 mike were like no 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 we want to go uh, make them look really like the like they would in in real life and there's uh, one one scene in the comic where uh, the where, where Walter is doing a sketch of the whole uh, of the whole group, and we got Ooh. Lana uh, complaining about uh, her size. Um, why she isn't? Uh, she's she's an elven character, and um, yeah, you know the 
in in all the pictures and then all the movies the elves are always the the tall slim mm-hmm. fancy looking characters and yeah walter drew her uh in the the size she really is like like a fat but also very agile and and powerful character and uh i i really like this scene in the comic cuz uh yeah he he explains to lana that it's it's not bad to to look like you do like you can be powerful yeah. and strong and you don't have to be like this uh, have this cookie cutter shape if that makes sense it does yeah. and i really appreciate okay. that reinforcement i like that a lot like heroes just like people come in all shapes and sizes and why shouldn't the the fantasy part represent that as well yeah one of the things we we wanted in the comic was that um the characters don't necessarily it doesn't look like they're human selves just in fantasy outfits yeah. um they definitely look like like cassandra's probably the most <laughs> the easiest example because yeah. she's just a dragon person <laughs> but if we did need to make it fairly obvious who the character was as a player yeah. and their character so that readers mm-hmm. could be like they weren't lost trying to figure out who was talking but we also really wanted to to make it clear that when you're playing a game like this your ideal version of yourself doesn't need to be a quote unquote prettier or thinner version of you in order to be better um or just more fantastical like you can be uh, a really cool archer you can be a really cool sneaky rogue who's super agile and not have to be this uh this one kind of set thin look um to do so i think that's what's great about this game right is that you can mm-hmm. you can be who you are uh and have all these great stories that you're participating in as well because of that duality of like you know it's the player and the character together um so that's super cool i I love i didn't realize you know walter drawing the uh party feels like a very self-insert kind of meta way to (laughs) describe the two of you and your project (laughs) yeah i guess yeah that was it was also like that's definitely something that me and all my other friends we're doing in high school is like, oh yeah, we have cool characters. We're gonna draw them. We're gonna make ourselves look awesome. Um, and yeah, there is there's definitely a whole thread of, uh, especially with Lana's character, where her mom kind of pressures her to lose weight. So mm. when she's at first imagining herself in this game, she's like, oh, elves can't be fat. Why would you draw me like that? And so the entire rest of the party kind of, kind of, you know teams up around her and it's like no no like you can do that like <laughs> you don't you don't need to change your body size in order to still be this really awesome character and that helps her a lot i do that i also yeah. just love the idea of a large elf there needs to be more of those in the world yeah <laughs> I, I think it's really cool uh yeah. dozer i want to know about brawled uh the swamp goblin uh <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the 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 company and the and the D sessions that you're playing, uh, w- w- what's that like? Um, I think we started playing about a year ago, and um, yeah, I was slipping uh, uh, flipping through the the rule books and, and looking for for a class that. I wanted to play as and yeah I, I found uh the goblins and thought 
that's kind of fitting. Uh, I'd like to play one of these little guys. <laughs> and basically, uh, Brawl is like a miniature version of, uh, of Shrek. He's a little loner <laughs> oh, awesome. living in a swamp. And uh, when we started playing, um, the mission was to get to the next bigger city. And each player, uh, RDM told us that each player had to uh, think of some reason they have to go to the city. And yeah, that was pretty hard because my character doesn't want to go. Uh, <laughs> no. Doesn't want to go to places with many people. <laughs> <laughs> But he's got a pet dinosaur. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he loves that dinosaur very much. And uh, the dinosaur had, um, uh, he needed to see a dentist. So the only <laughs> way that could happen was to go to the city. <laughs> and that's how uh, oh. our session started. <laughs> It almost sounds like the beginning of a children's book. So. <laughs> well, I should take notes and maybe yeah. it can be used for, or like I, for, for a sequel for the last session or something like that. <laughs> I'm seeing something here with Brawl and his little dinosaur. The things you do for your pets, right? Yeah. Probably goes for dentist. <laughs> yeah. yes. Dinosaur dentist, I think, is a profession that can only happen in a D&D game. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I have to say, I... I don't know who your dungeon master is, but I appreciate that person because it, to give any character a pet dinosaur, I think it's <laughs> the sign Special. of a very generous dungeon master. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. What about you, Jasmine? What types of characters are you drawn to? Ooh, uh, I, I love, I almost always play a bard, but I love playing monstrous characters. Like I, my current character is, um, a half orc, half hobgoblin, because why would we bother with half human when you can have something cooler? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I um, yeah, I love playing things that are like very non human. Uh, given half a chance, I will always pick to play a skeleton, not even like a powerful one, just like not even a, a dude. <laughs> It's <laughs> just like, just bones. Like just a bunch of bones. <laughs> I don't need to be a lich or anything. I just want to be spooky. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. What is it about a skeleton that would um, is appealing to you? They're never going to be out of style. No. <laughs> they're all over my house right Skeletons now. Skeletons will always be relevant. They're just really fun. Uh, also, the idea that... If you're somewhere like in a catacomb, you could just kind of lay on the ground and no one will know you're there. That's true. <laughs> Perfect camouflage. Very right? good camouflage. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They're just really fun. I, you would appreciate Ryan, who's our, our producer here, our sound engineer. His family dressed up as a family of skeletons for Halloween. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and we saw there we were... My son was trick-or-treating, and you just reminded me of this. This little kid was in a really cute skeleton costume, probably like four years old, mm -hmm. and he was at, at the, the door right before us, and the person answered the door, and they were like, oh, you need to eat a sandwich, <laughs> and like just like, oh, how cute, like you're so, you're a bag of bones, literally, and the kid was like, oh, <laughs> 
I just want some candy. <laughs> I am not here for sandwiches, sweetie. You don't pass <laughs> out sandwiches for Please don't give me a sandwich. Please just give me a Kit Kat bar and let me go. <laughs> like, I don't want whatever <laughs> bridge you I, I thought the joke was funny. The kid was like, whoop, right over his little skeleton head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Skeletons are not um, known for their humor. <laughs> They do have some uh, funny bones, though. Hey. Oh, <laughs> good! I'm really one. good at bad puns, so <laughs> I love a good bad pun. Get that in the script. Yeah, that's that is cool. I've never. I'm I'm gonna look at skeletons in a whole new way now. They let me put quite a few skeletons in this story. So if you if you like skeletons, oh, yeah. and I apologize to Dozer for making you draw so many skeletons, you did such a great job. <laughs> This is the book for you. <laughs> so, I love, wait, so I love that. Co- oh, go ahead, Shelley. Uh No, you go, Greg. I was going to say, I love the contrast that you have when you were talking about the characters that you're drawn to, Jasmine, when you're like, I like uh, ones that are monstrous or over the top or skeletons, yeah. but also a bard as the class for those things <laughs> is is a really great contrast. Uh, what What is it about being able to play uh, a, a bard who's traditionally much more, you know, the face or the, uh, the uh, at least the, the the good talker in a group, oh, yeah. uh, while also being, you know, potentially the one that could scare the the, the people. Oh yeah, uh, my my current character, the best description of her is like a war goth. Like she just looks like she escaped a like a screaming metal concert with <laughs> swords involved. <laughs> Uh, and I think there's just something so fun about taking a character like that and for, you know, some liaison to be like, who's who's the person we need to talk to? And then she comes up, like, wipes some blood off her face and is like, me. <laughs> that is Time good. to negotiate. Let's pull out some contracts. <laughs> Hold on, you know? let me shake the blood off of my hands before I shake yours. <laughs> and then, like, become super charming. <laughs> yes. I like that. Why not? Yeah, There's some, there is something about metal, uh, you know, performers. They're not usually not very, uh, you know, uh, I guess uh, traditionally attractive. I guess is the word I could use. <laughs> Speak right? for yourself. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess the, the glam rock is a totally different category. But I'm thinking of the, you know, the Iggy Pops and mm-hmm. the, and mm. the, you know, even the Mick Jagger. Like he doesn't. You know, if you look at him in a lineup, you're like, that's not a handsome man. <laughs> but for some reason, you put him up on stage with the lights and the and the charisma. you know the, the swagger. Yeah, it's all that charisma. It's all yeah. about and the I, swagger. I love the idea of non-traditional beauty um, mm. and having characters who are not necessarily, in a human sense, considered beautiful or charismatic or compelling, and then being like, oh no, I've got like a plus twenty-two. <laughs> right, like I'm the most charismatic person here, and I think that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. That is fun, definitely. Yeah. So, did you, um, Dozer, when you were drawing these characters, were you? Did you have references? Like Jasmine, did you provide? Like, here's what I think these characters kind of look like, or was a lot of that on you to come up with on your own, Dozer? Um. Yeah, Jasmine provided a lot of references and. Um, yeah, I went with that, did my own uh, bit of research, like for, for clothing, what could they wear? But um, yeah, generally for, for the looks, uh, Jasmine had me all set up. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and also in the script, sometimes we, we got these very uh, 
instead of describing a post, he would uh, insert little images or like little memes and like, okay, just do this picture. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't think I asked this before, but what era is this set in? Is that this set in like modern times as far as uh, wh- when it takes place? Yes. Yeah. It's set in, in modern day, like not, let's say like 2019, so we can dodge. Pre, pre COVID. <laughs> yeah. Now I feel bad. They have no idea what's coming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go backwards. <laughs> <laughs> they may be moving away to, to college or other places, but little did they know that everyone would have a Zoom that they could play in, and it's not the last session at all. No, exactly. far yeah. from it. Absolutely. That's the sequel right there, where they get together and, and, oh, no. and do a Zoom call. The last call. session, the COVID years. The COVID games. We've already got frames. We've got the frames already all set up for it. It's perfect. Uh, so, Jasmine, you reference uh, yourself as an occasional GM. Do you, is there any, uh, I, don't, I just feel like comic book writing is such a unique medium that, but is there any parts of your writing process that you think would benefit dungeon masters or game masters in general with how they plan their campaigns? For sure. Uh, when you're DMing, you definitely have to think of a story from beginning to end, but also come up with like what happens if the players derail the plot a bit so you always have to have not just your main plot but a couple little subplots you kind of like quickly pick up and throw in <laughs> when they're like we're not going to go through the big golden doors we're going to go down this weird little vent <laughs> let's see what happens yeah um, so it's always good to have a couple mystery rooms built into your story um <laughs> <laughs> and I, I found that writing can be kind of like that, where you need to know your overarching plot um, and where you want to end, like where you want the characters to be at the end and where you're starting. But sometimes you get halfway through and you know, <laughs> the plot begins to wander. Uh, and sometimes you can find really cool stuff that to add into your plot. And in that way, it's a little similar. Um, and DMing is tricky because you can, like I always do one shots. I don't have <laughs> the time or patience and, you know, bless every DM that does a long-running campaign. Yeah. They have, <laughs> I don't know how they do it. It's but tough. I admire them. Right. It's really, really tough. Um, Especially but, with you working on other creative endeavors too, mm-hmm. right? Because you're like, man, I really should be focusing on this campaign, but I've got all these other, you yeah. know, I, I, creative ideas that I need to get out on deadlines. Exactly, exactly. So I can do one-shots, and it's very similar to writing, like, an issue of a comic. <laughs> hmm. Are these uh, yeah. one shots that you are you using published material or is it or is it things stories that you're coming up with? Oh no, I I homebrew everything because oh, nice. I had a bunch of friends in high school who had all kind of memorized all the rule books and they knew them they knew all the rules and the characters way better than I did. So if I try to use anything pre-published, they're like even without trying to, they were like, I can, I know how to defeat this. I was like, oh no, we're just going to homebrew everything. (laughs) So none Uh of you can cheat. (laughs) Can't read Um, ahead. Exactly. (laughs) The gelatinous cube is now a uh, ice cube that's going to do frost (laughs) damage to you. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Got to make it your own. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that idea of of, a, of an issue of a comic book being like a one shot. That is very uh, much the way people think of an episodic, you know, uh, television or, or or episodic stuff like this. And that's I think a a really good way for people to frame, you know, 
two to three hours of gameplay, uh, yeah. having a beginning, a middle, and an end, and 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 feeling like you accomplished something. It's it's a different skill, right? So like, it sounds like you've mm-hmm. mastered that, but for some folks, having that longer campaign is easier uh, because you don't have to yeah. think about trying to get a beginning and a middle true. and an end in a small format. Yeah, that's that's true. Long long running campaigns are a whole other skill set that I just don't have. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what about you, Dozier? Are you thinking about ever uh, going into the storytelling side of, of playing D&D and uh, being a DM? Oh, I'm pretty bad at coming up with my own <laughs> stories. I mean, like, creating characters, that part works, but um, no, story writing is not very much my thing. I, I rather get stories from other people and turn them into something new or as. Uh, just visualize them and um, yeah that makes sense That's, we yeah <laughs> uh, we need uh, uh, you know uh, talented artists like you to be able to do that uh, I've always uh, do you draw when you're at the table and you're playing uh yeah sometimes just like when, when there's a really fun scene um, or or when the other characters are somewhere that the my character is not a uh, part of them. I start to doodle little scenes from the game. <laughs> That's my oh. favorite part of playing with artists who can draw yes. is that, you know, it looks like they're just look, making notes on their character sheet. And then at the end of the session, they're like, oh, yeah, here, I did this. And you're like, oh, my God, that's the perfect visualization of that awesome moment when I got that critical hit and I killed that monster. How did you do that? And they're like, I don't know, I just was doodling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's so great. I, I don't have that skill set. So uh, kudos to you for being able to to bring that to the game. I think that's a, a really important part. And also to know that, like, hey, you know, dungeon mastering, everybody can do it, but, you know. You don't have to, right? Yeah, it's very good to know to. Your, your lane there. Yeah. We need players. Yeah. Lots of players. And I need to play <laughs> with more artists because I want to see. Yeah. I want to see the doodles. <laughs> so so what's the uh, uh, timeline for release of the last session? I think, yeah. uh, is, is it out there yet? Will it be out there soon? What's what's the plan? Soon. The first issue comes out December 1st. Wow, so, okay. Yeah, and it's going to be a five-issue run and then the trade at the end. Um, I don't know the release dates, uh, the exact release dates of the issues after number one, but number one for sure is on the 1st of December. Great. And uh, folks can pick it up at uh, comic book shops, uh, other other places that you want to highlight for for where to get it? Definitely for, for like single issues, I would say your local comic shop, you can order online. Actually, one of the best deals I saw, hopefully it's still up there, I believe it is, is if you go through the Mad Cave Studios website, you can do a subscription and you can get all five issues digitally. Mm. And then they will mail you the physical trade. So if you're someone who really oh. wants to support the trade, but you don't necessarily want a bunch of floppies, you know, and the trade, uh, that's a really, really good way to do it. And I think it's only like 20 bucks. It's a really, wow. really good deal. So that's the one I always recommend to people, but also definitely support your local comic shops. Um, Mad Cave is a fairly small publisher in comparison to a lot of other comic publishers. So I would recommend if you want to read this, you know, stop by and request it at, the, at your local comic shop and just ask if they're ordering something, you know. If not, be like, hey, can you bring a couple <laughs> of these issues in? It sounds really fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but otherwise, if you if you don't have a local comic book shop, the, the digital versions are a really, really good deal. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's sad to 
so many of those small businesses uh, were affected during this time. Uh, mm-hmm. And I definitely appreciate that. Go out there and support your local comic store, your game store as, as much as you can. And order the last session. <laughs> yes, please. I, I really want to hear what people think of it. Like once, once it comes out, I'm, I'm super excited to see what people think of the groups. And um, yeah, I think one of the best things about that little short D&D comic I did years ago was getting feedback from people who might not have ever spoken about, about D&D because there's a lot of harassment online mm-hmm. um, from players who are like, oh, I've never seen a group this diverse. I had a woman come up to me who was in her probably her 40s and she was a black woman and she said, hey, uh, it's so nice to see something because when I was a teen, I was DMing and you never saw any sort of media with that in it. And so that was really cool for me was to to hear stories from people who, you know, when D&D was not as prolific and uh, accessible as it is now, uh, to hear that all these cool people of color had their own groups that never got to be heard of. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that, that's been a through line that I've been hearing from people I've been talking to as well. It's like they were always playing, mm-hmm. they just weren't visible. And I think it's been a big part of uh, what Wizards of the Coast has been trying to do over the last few years is to show that like there is a yeah, just as much as there's a breath of different mm-hmm. peoples in in gnomes and halflings <laughs> and half orcs and, and 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 in the game there are so many different types of people who can get something out of uh, of playing this and in each different style too like I think that's also a really important yeah. thing is there's you, know, you can be the hack and slash and just beat up monsters all day long as a style of play but you can also be much more you know, uh, thoughtful and, and, and character based. And, you know, there's a huge spectrum in there and uh, trying to show all that in media like uh, like comics here for the last session is is really cool. So thank you for contributing to to getting that visibility out there uh, in, in different ways. Thank you. Awesome. awesome. Well, this sounds like a really fun project. It sounds like you've been working on it for a long time and can't, it's about to get to the, the, the <laughs> audience there. being able to read <laughs> <Yes>. it stage. <laughs> Almost there. I'm I'm so excited for just for it to be there, a real thing that's physical and just does or not get out of the park with this art. I I can't imagine it being on a shelf and not having someone pick it up just because it looks so cool. Oh, <laughs> it does awesome. look cool. I really like your style, Dozer. It's very, oh, very thank fun, you. playful. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, now we know how to how to uh, buy it. But if people want to follow your careers, things you've been doing, you even posts about the last session, uh, well, I'll throw it to you first, Dozer. What's the best way for folks to uh, pay attention to what, your projects and what you're doing? Mm, I'd say on Twitter. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty active there, and yeah, posting, retweeting anything that I'm working on. Yeah, and and your your handle is I think I got this right. Little Dozer Baby, is that you? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, uh, and it looks like you have an Instagram too. So very cool. Uh, and oh yeah, like, yeah, that's the same handle on Instagram. Yeah, nice. What about you, Jasmine? I'm I'm mainly on Twitter as well. Um, I think if anyone happens to pick up the issues, feel free to like mention either of us on there and be like, hey, we like this. You know, just. And I, I'm also ta- I'm always talking about the characters and stuff on there. And my handle is uh, MythJ Comics uh, on Twitter, and then MythJ on Instagram. Uh, but definitely, I, I tend to be on Twitter the most, so I'm always happy to, to chat. 
Love it, love it. Yeah, yep. Twitter, Twitter is uh, an essential part of uh, many people's creative processes, I, I feel, <laughs> at this point. Uh, so cool. I hope, uh, hopefully when it comes out in December... What December was, 1st. December 1st, uh, mm-hmm. you'll get a, a flurry of communication about how awesome <laughs> it is uh, in, your, in your replies. So that would be fun. Yeah. Great. Okay, well, thanks cool. for both of you for coming on. I uh, can't wait to read the last session myself and uh, go along this journey and then see, you know, uh, the sequel that's all about Zoom calls. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for being here. What a wonderful pairing of creative folks. I love that they have uh, such great ideas about how to tell stories through the medium of comic books. And I love that Jasmine said this book that is about Dungeons and Dragons was a dream team that like the so-called party of people that came together to make it happen was uh, just an incredible group of people. And now Dozer is playing D&D. Right. That's so cool. Um, Such great portrayals of the different uh, types of backgrounds and people that play this game. And uh, we're happy to highlight that as much as possible because it is, I think, you know, a big major movement in the D&D community over the last few years. And it's great to Absolutely. see that there's more and more um, portrayals of, of uh, different people throughout the yep. community. It's good stuff. Can't wait All to good. get more of All them good. out there. Yep. December 1st. Get your hands on the last session. Faux show. Yeah. All right, so that is this episode. You can learn about all things D&D by going to DungeonsAndDragons.com. You can download Dragon Plus to your phone. There's a new issue coming this month, uh, November 18th, I believe. I don't want to throw that out there and not make it, but that is the day that I will be looking for (laughs) the new issue of Dragon Plus on my phone, and if it's not... I'll talk to Bart about that. Uh, Then you can also check us out on all the socials, wizards underscore DND on Twitter and Instagram. Give us a like and a listen uh, as well. I am available at Greg Tito on Twitter and underscore Tito uh, on Instagram. Uh, Greg underscore Tito. I don't know why I I try to shorten (laughs) that every time and it never works and ends up being a longer part of it by doing it. So I'm just going to throw it to you, Shelley. Where can people find you? You can find me at Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram. Excellent. And oh. now it is time to give one more shout out to Ryan Marth and Lisa Carr for being awesome producers Always. on this podcast. Thank you for all of the work that you do. And thank you, Shelly, for being Drunky Two Shoes. And thank you, Greg Tito, for being the dungeon master for Drunky Two Shoes, as well as Daryl Two Shoes. Who is now in the midst of a Vicious melee with About two time. doppelgangers in the basement of the garrulous grocer in Waterdeep. You have recently just defeated one of the doppelgangers with a combination of an acid splash and a stab in the back from Daryl. But there are two more left, and your comrade, Samson, the fighter, Harper, yeah. has been injured by a stab from the doppelgangers, oh. and they are moving around. They're in their natural form for you right now because they realize that your amulet allows uh, doesn't allow them to blend in with the halflings working here at the grocery. And they look strange, almost gray alien-like. Their mottled skin is moving and shifting in ways that feel unnatural, uh, and they are trying to find an opening in Samson's defenses once again. But it is your turn, Drunky Two-Shoes. What do you do? 
Oh, crap. Poor Samson. Okay, I think... How injured is Samson? Uh, he's gotten uh, one pretty vicious stab wound uh, in, in, in bleeding uh, from his side. Uh, okay. I, I As a bonus action, I'm going to go ahead and use my last spell slot to cast Hail of Thorns. Ah. Okay. Okay. And then I'm Again. going to... Okay. And then I'm going to... Go ahead to one of the jerks. Why don't I go ahead and throw some acid on him? Acid splash! Nice. All right, and that's a deck save? Yep. Okay. Uh, is the fog cloud still up? Did you still want that? Or did you want to uh, dismiss no, it? No, okay. it is gone. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, what is the spell save DC for that acid 13. splash? 13. 13. Uh, so one of them fails. The other one, one uh, makes it. Okay. Well, I think I can only, can I target more than one Oh, are you just going after one of them? I didn't know if I, oh, choose one or two creatures. I'm sorry. Kay. I would like to. Uh, okay. So here we go for his, the acid damage is, oh, 12 oh, max wow. damage. All right. And so then the- my, my hail of thorns also does something. Hold on. Okay. So that dude takes 12. Mm-hmm. Are they both caught in the hail of thorns? Yeah, sure. Probably we'll not. Go. It's, it's hail and thorns in here. Uh, and a six, another six. Another six. Wow. So 18 total 18. damage uh, as the uh, acid splashes into his face and you see kind of the, the, the spots of uh, the circles of where the acid lands on him and the smoke kind of goes up from its already kind of disgusting model flesh and it screams Damn in this it. weird... Oh, ah, ah, you know, in, in pain and anger, uh, but is still... Uh, up and moving around and still uh, trying to recover and figure out how to attack Samson. Uh, the other one also does take uh, some thorn damage, um, but is moving around and still trying to figure out what to do. Uh, all right. So Samson tries to attack one in front of him. He misses. Oh, Samson. Yeah, no. And so does uh, Daryl as he is now uh, visible and behind one of them. Um, but because of their weird movements from being hit by all of these various spells that uh, Drunkie is throwing at them, somehow they're able to evade the attacks of your two comrades. And Uh-oh. the doppelgangers are now up, and they're going to, one of them is going to concentrate on Sam's. Ooh, that was almost a 20, but then it rolled to a 2. So oh, thank you're God. Safe there. Ooh, and a 5. Uh, yes. So both of them miss uh, as they are uh, struggling in the smoke. There's no more fog cloud, but the smoke from their burning flesh from your acid, acid splash is kind of stinking up this room. And you see huddled yeah. in all the corners, uh, the halflings um, kind of hiding behind uh, whatever crates or um, hiding places that they can find so that they're not involved in what is mm. going on in this vicious melee below there. I feel bad. Uh, you hear a voice call up from above. Everything all right up there? Down there? Yep. Just got a new shipment. <laughs> Roll me a deception check. <laughs> An eight? An eight total? Yep. I'm going to call the guard. Okay, this, so this is what it sounded like. Yeah, I got a new shipment. <laughs> And the, the <laughs> voice is uh, not convinced at all. Uh, and so you start hearing, uh, you know, hails of the guard, uh, the city watch uh, from up above. Cool. And we'll see what happens next week. Okay. Okay.